Well, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. It is Thursday, June 21st, the first day of summer, I believe is today, but you know what? Schools are out. Everybody's hitting the beach. I already got my first summer burn. I'm pumped. Everybody's pumped. Everyone's excited. Summer is in full swing. It's great to be back. We got a nice long weekend coming up. And then I got OBX coming in a week, a brand new big ass house. Pretty pumped about all of this going on, not gonna lie. But a lot to get to today because a very special episode for us on the Jake podcast this week. This week marks, and I took off last week to double up today because episode 50 gets all the love, baby. That's right. This is Jake episode 50. Now, we're not including my little minis in December. There's a double episode here, double episode uh, a couple months ago, but very excited. This is episode 50. A big shout out to everybody that helped make this happen. Uh, My parents and my cousin Derek for getting me started on this podcast two years ago. Uh, My friends, any guests that have come on uh, to talk NBA, NHL, Bachelor, Bachelorette, all the fun stuff that we get to. I appreciate everything you've done for this podcast, and I'm having so much fun. And most of all, thank you for anyone that has listened, anyone that has bought a shirt. Uh, Thank you, everyone. I have so much fun doing this. So now I got that out of the way. Thank you all. But big news coming from today. Now I'm going to get to the NBA in a little bit. Because, you know, right now there's not a lot of sports going on, so NBA kind of is king of rumor season. But something something really cool happened. Now, I try my hardest to not watch any of those talking heads on ESPN or Fox Sports or wherever they come from. I really try. You know, ever since the butt fumble, it's like my claim to fame right now, ever since the butt fumble like five years ago, six, who knows how long it is. I just can't watch SportsCenter. I can't watch it. Like it is it, it like to me I got so frustrated with them over and over again. Every time Cleveland was mentioned, it was like the low light reel that they break out. It's lazy. They don't really watch the games. It, uh, it's frustrating. It's the same old crap. So I told myself I'm I'm not going to pay attention. I'm going to develop my own opinions on everything sports related and I'm just going to roll with what I think. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but at least it's what I thought, and I can never be blamed for, oh, well, it's because you only listen to this guy and that guy. I'm like, no, no, no. I give it my thought process. So with that being said, I still hear the opinions. It's all over Twitter because it's news. Sometimes they make news, so you can't fully ignore it. It's frustrating, and all my friends say, like, Jake, I thought you quit that. I'm like, I can't quit. I can't quit Colin Cowherd. I quit, can't quit Mike Francesa. I can't quit Michael K and all these, you know, Stephen A and Skip A-list. It's all just sitting right there for me to just pick apart and to lose my GD mind. And you know what? It works. I just try not to let it work all that much. Now, with that being said, when one of my guys comes on these shows, I have to pay attention a little bit now. Baker Mayfield is doing the car wash right now. And for those of you who don't know the phrase car wash, it's when you have an athlete that's in somewhat of a break. It could be uh, a bye week. It could be after OTAs and you're before training camp like NFL players. It could be a guy that's just going through retirement or just got drafted. 
And what they do is they start with one ESPN show, and then that whole day they spend the day basically on four different ESPN shows, and the next day they do four different Fox shows, then they do a couple podcasts, they go to a big event like the Super Bowl, and they interview with everyone they can there. So right now, and, and you know what, all it is is it's good press, it's getting your name out there, it's making the franchise look good, you get to look, make your sponsors look good, so it's, it's an opportunity there, and usually it's a week long. So right now, Baker Mayfield is on his car wash, and today, stop by Fox Sports. Now, I haven't listened to his interview with Skip and Shannon, but frankly, there wasn't a lot that came out from that, so my thoughts are, hey, NFL, June, July, no news is good news, right? You know, if, if, if it was plastered everywhere, it could be a problem, but since nothing came out about that, my thought is, you know what? He probably didn't create many waves. That's probably a good thing right now. But then he did create waves. Mm -hmm. He went on to Colin Cowherd's show, which is a morning show in Los Angeles. I think it runs at noon here. I, to be honest, I don't know. I just see, I don't listen to his show. I just see clips on YouTube and I forcibly click on it and drive myself insane. But what he did on Colin Cowherd's show was pretty impressive. Nobody bark, barks back. At Colin, you know he develops his own opinions. I sometimes agree with his opinions. I used to be a really big fan, but recently I've kind of you know lost favor with him. Uh, I still think he's one of the better talking heads radio show you know hosts, but he can be wildly frustrating sometimes. Uh, in the whole draft process, he was Team Darnold, Team Rosen. He didn't like Lamar Jackson. He hated Josh Allen. And he liked Baker Mayfield, thinks he can be a good player, but at the same time called him undraftable, said he wouldn't touch him, said he could be around, but he's nowhere near the guys he's getting compared to. Some of that's fair. Some of it's a little ridiculous. But my problem with Colin Cowherd is he's one of those guys that he takes the opinions of the pros he brings in. Now, Joel Klatt is one that he usually brings in a lot, and Joel Klatt knows what he's talking about. So that's like, Joel Klatt is a guy I listen to. But he doesn't listen to Joel Klatt because Joel Klatt loves Baker Mayfield, and Colin still hates on him. So it's hard to really say you know, where Colin gets his info from because I know he's not watching all these games. He just he even admits that he doesn't watch it all. But regardless, anyway, no one claps back at Colin. But Baker came ready. And if you've been watching this Baker Facebook series, you've known that Baker knows who his doubters are and what they say about him. And the word undraftable really got to him. Now, this was midway through their interview. They had about a 20-minute interview. This is like the 14-minute mark. They come back from commercial, and Colin Cowherd calls out Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield collapsed back and knows exactly what to say saw this and I'm like, oh, Baker, you're playing Ohio State. I watched every snap. You were, you know, gloriously talented guy, right? And then I see this play right here. Now watch this, Baker, and you throw a touchdown. And instead of, now, I don't like this. I'm going to tell you right now, how come you're not, what? Where are you going? Where are you going over there? Our band is over there, our student section's right there, and then straight back to our sideline. What about your team? Did you watch the rest of the game? I watched the whole game. You did? So you saw me celebrate with my teammates like the three touchdowns before that too? I don't like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. You pulled the one clip of me running right there to our fans and people that traveled well to that game, first of all. And then you didn't 
show the rest of the clip of me going to our sideline? No, no, no. You go, well, you no. have to go to the sideline. You you're didn't. not going to go to you a didn't. hospital. Well, where are you going to go after the touchdown? You're not going to go. Well, you're out. acting like I just ran away from everybody. Well, you did, but then you came back and circled to the sideline. This is a, a five-second clip of you showing me, and then I'm off the screen right there. I'd like you to be with your teammates. I'd watch the rest of the game. I was. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know you went back to the sideline. No, no, no. I'm, go watch the other touchdowns. I got very excited on that one. So you think my accusation that this doesn't this is a fact? Great. I feel like you're going for the fact that I'm not a team guy. I'm selfish. Is that what you're shooting at right here? Or what? Um, it is a no. I don't think that. I think you. I think sometimes your judgments just a tad off. And I think the NFL is a judgment league because the, the game is so fast. Mm-hmm. You have to make the windows get really really tight and really really small. You got to make decisions really really fast. In college, you got that Orlando Brown guy. Got a little yeah. more time. I don't love that decision. I don't love it. The celebration. Do you I, see what people do in the league now, celebration wise? Hip thrusting, not a fan. Not a big fan of hip thrusting. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't like when Antonio Brown's doing that stuff. I'm not into it. You know what? Can, have you, do you have your celebration? Uh, and no, I, I have nothing. I have nothing. You're just going to give... Okay, so that was just a little bit of the interview of Baker Mayfield and Colin Cowherd. But what you got was Colin Cowherd had a couple clips up ready to roll, and Baker Mayfield knew exactly what to say and he points out some great things. He went right to his student section, right to the parents section, the band, everyone that traveled to that game. And and Baker has pointed out a lot of things in this interview about how he's more about the, you know, it's Oklahoma isn't just the 53, well not 53, 91 guys on the sideline. It's about everyone that's a part of that school. Everybody likes Baker Mayfield there. You know, if Jim Ross like a, you know, huge alum there. Like says he's basically like if he had a son, he would want him to be Baker Mayfield. You have Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops both come out to say he's like the the greatest kid they've coached. His former teammates like D.D. Westbrook talked about how you know Baker Mayfield would go well out of his way to give him a ride everywhere. Obviously, you know I like Baker Mayfield. I've been defending the kid for months, and the fact that he chirped back right at Colin's face in his studio at his show. I thought that was amazingly impressive. Believe it or not, there are actually a few cat, uh, Cavs, uh, Browns fans out there that don't love this. That think, okay, you know what? This is ridiculous. This kid is coming off as arrogant. No, this kid is coming off as great. His teammates love him. He defended his teammates so hard earlier in this interview to Colin. It was awesome. So this week in Hot Jake is this interview. I mean, Baker Mayfield... He's growing that Jake beard right now, which is awesome too. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I gotta send him a shirt. That's gonna be great. Ooh, that's what I gotta do. I gotta send him a shirt. Wow. All right. So, what? What a segment. I mean, that was wild. That really blew up the middle of my day because everyone on Twitter was talking about Baker Mayfield and Colin Coward. Not just Cleveland people, but just everybody. And if you didn't like Colin Coward, you loved Baker Mayfield here. If you don't like Baker Mayfield, you really hated him here. So there was a, a little bit of a like a, a divide, and Baker Mayfield's always going to do that. He's going to divide people until he proves it on the field. And even at that point, he's still going to have his doubters because that's just the player he is. He's plays where he wears it on his sleeve, and he just is a passionate guy, and he could not have picked a better personality for this team. I'm so happy that they have him right now. That's really great. So anyway, that's it for the Browns right now, you know, because like I said before, in June and July, football news, no news is good news, right? You want to hear contract extension? 
that's it. Or, hey, this guy was at a charity event. Cool, that's great. Leave it at that. Because all the news that comes out right now are pop for PEDs, got in a fight, got a DUI, got whatever, um, got injured. Those are the bad things. Those bad things are what come out in the summer. So I don't want any Browns news until we get to training camp when we say, hey, you know what, Baker Mayfield, he's been, he's, he's been in the playbook. He knows what he's doing here. That's what I want to hear. So no news is good news. Hopefully we won't be talking about the Browns for another month. Now the Indians, quick little Indians update before we get into the real, the really heavy lifting of the episode. Uh, four in a row, first place AL Central, kind of been uh, a slightly above 500 team for most of the year. Ever since that bad West Coast trip to start the season, they've actually been very good. Uh, they need to do better against Minnesota. They need to finish that bullpen. Uh, they need to like close that out a little bit. But they're starting pitching with Trevor Bauer, Corey Kluber. I mean, Corey Kluber's been Cy Young candidate again. Uh, Trevor Bauer is showing all-star stuff. And Mike Clevenger being their four-starter behind Carrasco has been up and down. But Clevenger has been awesome. Uh, he, I mean, he's approaching like a 3.0 flat ERA as a fourth. And Jose Ramirez been anchoring a pretty solid lineup right now. He's second in the league in home runs, and he's widely above the next guy at third base for all-star voting, getting the love that he deserves. So Indians, a lot more to come this summer, but a little Indians minute update. Never heard anybody. Now, to get into the real stuff, I was avoiding this for a little bit, but uh, this is old news now, but the Cavaliers did not win the NBA Finals, they got swept by the Golden State Warriors. We talked after Game 1. We talked after Game 3. We knew it was bleak. And you know what? Uh, games 2 and 4 were blowouts in favor of the Warriors. Games 1 and 3 were very tight games. One that uh, was taken out of the Cavs' hands. And then J.R. Smith had a chance to win it. Obviously, we know how that ended. Uh, and then Game 3 was one where... Uh, the Cavaliers had their opportunities and kind of just choked it away. You know, they had a chance to win two games. You need to win both of the toss-up games because you knew they were going to get blown out. And that's what happened. And a lot of people are saying LeBron's played his last game in Cleveland. You know, I got a standing O as he left the floor. Uh, they got swept. He had no real help. He was superhuman in a couple of those games, and it showed that that doesn't really matter because he needs that Kyrie Irving, he needs that second banana. And Kevin Love is more of a third banana at this point. You know, like a spot-up shooter, a score-when-LeBron's-off-the-court type guy. They need a second guy. Now, everyone thinks LeBron's gone. It's not quite determined just yet because, number one, it's pretty clear that, you know, Dwayne Wade, his best buddy, not exactly the best wingman anymore. Chris Paul, do you want to play with him? Well, Chris Paul's kind of in a cap-strap situation in Houston. Uh, he could go there, win a lot of games going to Houston. That's a possibility. But rumors will fly about Philadelphia, Los Angeles Lakers, Los Angeles Clippers, staying in Cleveland. We don't really fully know everything just yet on where he's going to go, but we do know that the Cavs need to do something if they want to keep him. Right? This squad wasn't good enough. Now they had the number eight pick in the NBA draft which just got underway, and I'm going to get to that in a little bit. 
but I thought it was pretty clear what the Cavaliers were going to have to do. I thought, all right, if you want LeBron, you're going to have to use that pick and build an all-star core, or at least fringe all-stars, that LeBron is going to want to play with. That says, listen, it's not all that much better elsewhere. You can opt in for your $35 million right now and play here, you know, continue to, you know, watch your kids play at home and everything like that. And you just, and you don't have to shake things up. You can play with what you know, where everyone loves you. I mean, everyone's going to love them everywhere. I know that's not, not a good enough reason, but you don't have to change a whole lot. We'll go get you a guy like a Kemba Walker or a CJ McCollum. Uh, Damian Lillard was apparently on the block for a minute. Uh, not sure if that's real true. Paul George, hey, he's he can opt in and demand a trade, kind of like Chris Paul last year. So maybe LeBron works a little magic. I'm not saying that the Cavs should be the favorite team to land him. I think if the Los Angeles Lakers go out and trade for Kawhi Leonard, who is obviously very displeased with San Antonio, but they don't want to trade him, but he doesn't want to be there, that's going to be a whole issue. If the Lakers go out and get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George wants to join that, even if I was LeBron, I'd be like, yeah, go. I, I, don't, I don't blame you. You want you have two homes in L.A. It can easily be done. You can opt in, get traded, and, uh, and then the Cavs can actually get a few pieces from the Lakers. Thank you, LeBron. And can build around that. And then you can sign your Supermax next year. All good, right? Nothing wrong with that. So there's going to be a lot to come out. Now, the draft happened. And I thought it was really clear, though, for the, the Cavaliers, what they need to do is either go all in and get like a guy like Kemba and keep, keep Love as your three and get another like wing, like a Nick Batum, Marvin Williams. I'm, I'm focused on Charlotte because I felt like they were a really good trade partner because Charlotte's trying to shed cap and the Cavs are trying to take on cap if they means it means getting talent. Um, other teams like Portland might be looking to, to shed cap. Teams everywhere in the NBA, if you're not competing for the, the title, you should be shedding money and getting draft picks. And if it means taking on a bad contract to get a really high pick, you do that because sometimes you have to bite the bullet. But a lot of these teams that are in no man's land, you know, you look at Atlanta, you look at Charlotte, you look at Orlando, uh, you look at Sacramento, you look at, like, there are plenty of teams in that crap area of why do we have these contracts? Nobody's coming to our 41 home games and we're paying Chandler Parsons $23 million a year to sit on the bench. We can't afford that. Everyone thinks NBA trades always come down to what's fair. You know, oh, if you're going to trade for Paul George, you need to give up three first round picks because that's what's fair for Paul George. That never happens. The NBA is a business. It is about money. So, if that means getting some talent, but getting to shed some money in some of these deals, that's what's going to happen. So when you see these trades going through and these trades not happening or these trades being rumored, realize they're more possible than you think because the motive of these teams isn't always to get 100 cents on the dollar. It's sometimes to get 80 cents, but to save money in the future. You, know, you just saw Dwight Howard got traded to Brooklyn so they could shed the Mozgov contract. And then they just bought out Dwight Howard. Cost them two second round picks, right? I mean, they, they did that move just so that they could be free of money next season. 
And that's strange. What the Brooklyn Nets did today was strange. But, hey, they're about money. And when the time comes, you go all in. You go get your three all-stars. You then form that trio, that, you know, that big three. And you start competing for a title. That's what you saw from Houston, from Golden State, from Cleveland. Is They got there quickly. The Cavs went from a laughing stock to NBA Finals contenders, and you need to go all in. When you have that championship window, you need to go all in. And it's going to cost you money, but that's exactly what the Cavs should do. Now, if LeBron leaves, don't try and half-ass it. Don't say, we're going to keep Kevin Love, okay? Don't say, we're going to try to win, and we don't need LeBron. Stop it. LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. It's, it's simple. I mean, he is the best basketball player ever. In a team sport, the Cavs have never really, not never, for most of his career in Cleveland, he was not properly surrounded with the enough talent. Now, that wasn't all on the Cavs, but a lot was on the Cavs. You know, they thought they were going to sign Carlos Boozer to an extension. Uh, he then left them. They thought Luke Jackson was going to be the perfect wing player to him. Guess what? That didn't happen. Darius Miles, Ricky Davis, those guys wanted out. And then they never really got any higher picks after Luke Jackson. They got Kyrie Irving. Yeah, well, everyone knew Kyrie Irving was going to be great. They got Andrew Wiggins. Well, they traded him for Kevin Love. Kevin Love has turned out to be a very good investment you know, being an all-star in four straight seasons in Cleveland. But the fact remains that if you aren't competing for a championship, which they won't be doing without LeBron, they need to go all-in on the draft. So that means trading Kevin Love, taking on a bad contract because Dan Gilbert, you got to pay money, and getting another young stud or a high draft pick and just making a new core that, that can eventually be something new. So you can't do both. You can't be the Atlanta Hawks saying, hey, we've got some good players, enough to make the now I know the Hawks didn't make the playoffs this year, but pick, you know, the Detroit Pistons are in no man's land. They're not picking high enough to get that franchise changer. But they're not good enough to be a contender. So they're sitting around that end of the lottery spot slash eighth playoff seed that's gonna get swept in the playoffs. I know it's important to make the playoffs so you can get that extra revenue at the end of the year, but if you're not competing for a championship, it, the picks aren't high enough. And in a game where you need superstars, superstars don't really fall to the mid mid teens. I know Giannis, I know Kawhi, I know you know guys like Draymond late in the draft. I, I know like there are always exceptions, but if you're banking on that to happen, you're gonna be in trouble fast too. So they need to move on from these guys. They need to use George Hill's favorable and JR's favorable contracts of saying, hey, one guaranteed year and then a $2 million buyout is a very, very favorable contract for teams like Charlotte who are trying to shed $120 million of Nicholas Batum. You know, are trying to shed uh, Evan Turner's three years, 17 per left, you know, like Portland. Those teams don't want those guys. They made mistakes going after them because they thought they were going to be glue guys to make them championship contenders. Guess what? Not happening. 
Time to get rid of those multi-million dollar deals and go in with a new younger core or be able to restock with the next free agent addition to go along with your superstar like Damian Lillard or like Kemba Walker. Or if you're like Charlotte, you deal Kemba Walker. And that's where we go to the NBA draft. Now, we are currently starting the second round of the NBA draft. Uh, not a lot of craziness to happen here tonight. I'm going to be honest. You know, Adrian Wojnarowski, he said ahead of time, listen, ESPN said no tipping picks. I said, okay. And what did he do all night? He said, Memphis is favoring Jaron Jackson Jr. at fourth overall. DeAndre Ayton is primed to be the number one pick by the Phoenix Suns. The Orlando Magic are locked in on Mohamed Bamba. I mean, talk about guy bringing his thesaurus to the NBA draft. He ducked, dipped, dodged, ducked, and dove out of the way of all the NBA rules that they were throwing at him. And you know what? Credit to him. Uh, it kind of ruined it for a little bit for me. I hate when guys tip picks. Uh, it's like, guess what? You were the first to... to t you tweeted it 10 seconds before it actually happened. Like, what are you really getting out of that? Like, why not just wait like everyone else? Like, it's not like you're breaking news. It's going to be broken on air in five seconds. So technically, you said it first, but what are you getting out of that, Shams? Woj? I mean, like, uh, Jason Lockenfora for the NFL? You guys that, like, do this, it's, like, they say it's their job to do that. But, like, it's an entertainment business, and these people are supposed to be entertained. So, I don't know. Maybe Yahoo's going to get a piece of that NBA pie uh, for them to tell Shams not to, to tweet it out. You know, Woj really sidestepped a couple of rules here on ESPN's part, even though ESPN was airing it. So... They can't love that. I got to imagine they want people watching TV, not following Woj on Twitter. You know, So we shall see how that goes. But not a lot of intrigue in this draft. Seems like a really good draft. I mean, I don't know NBA draft as well as I know NFL draft, obviously, because this is the first time I'm talking about it. But it seems like there are just some like potential all-stars here and some real like franchise-changing players. So if we go to the draft... DeAndre Ayton was taken number one by the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I, I like him. I liked Arizona a lot, and then they plummeted and killed my my. Uh, I picked them and go. I think to the final four. Ooh, and they lost in the first round. That did not go well for my bracket. But whatever. Uh, he looks really good. He looks like uh, almost like Hakeem Olajuwon, but runs the floor like an NBA current big man. I thought that was really cool. Uh, I like him, and hey, you know what? He, he's, he's from like the Bahamas, but he's like Arizona-grown talent. And he went to the U of A, and now he's going to be playing in Phoenix. Pretty cool. Number two is Marvin Bagley from Duke. Uh, a lot of people comparing him to Chris Bosh. Hey, that's that's not bad. They already have De'Aaron Fox. That's a one-two punch that if you're a Kings fan, you, you should be excited about. Uh, I, I like Bagley. I think he, he looks even better than... Uh, than Bosch because of his offensive rebounding. He looks like a like really long out there. Uh, but I didn't even like him that much over some of the other bigs that went uh, four, six, and basically those two, but I'll get to those in a second. 
Atlanta took Luka Doncic, but then traded him to Dallas for Trey Young, who's the fifth pick, and a future first, which I don't like that trip, that trade at all. I mean, I would just have picked Doncic and held it ransom and said, hey, listen, Atlanta, you, you're going to need to, or I'm uh, listen, Dallas, you're going to need to give us a little bit more than just, you know, five and a future first. You know, we want we want a lot here. This guy's gonna this guy's a Euro super talent. But that's all he cost. And now he gets to be the heir apparent to Dirk Nowitzki, probably the best foreign born player in NBA history. So you know, hey, good for Dallas. And now they have a young duo of Dennis Smith Jr., Luka Doncic. They look to be making a move for possibly Boogie Cousins. They still have Dirk there who is Obviously, you know, on his last legs, but uh, a good team leader who's, you know, the face of the franchise for basically the history of the franchise. So, hey, that should be really interesting, uh, Dallas going forward. Number four was Jaron Jackson Jr. from Michigan State. I was a big fan of Jaron Jackson. Uh, I think he has a huge ceiling because he just runs so well for a guy that's 6'11". He's already the defense. He was the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten as a freshman. He's super young. He's still, I think, he's still eighteen. Craziness. Uh, I thought Memphis might trade that. They were talking about pairing number four with Chandler Parsons to somebody that they could just get rid of that pick and uh, and and or not get rid of, get rid of the contract using the pick because they want to compete now. They don't want an eighteen-year-old. They want to compete now, but they want to get rid of that contract. I thought the Knicks might be moving up for Mo Bamba. Uh, maybe the Cavaliers, who are trying to move up to, to get someone high. Didn't happen. He's in Memphis. Who knows? Maybe in a two weeks during the NBA free agency spree, he does get traded. But looks like for now, he's there uh, in Memphis. I really like him. Trey Young, we talked about. Oklahoma, tiny point guard. People want to compare him to Steph because of the crazy range and his assists, look, that'd be awesome for him. But you know what? I uh, I don't know. It, it, it looks wishful thinking to me. So who knows? He doesn't really have the NBA build, but, I mean, Steph Curry can do it at three years older than Trey Young. Maybe Trey Young can do it. After that was Mo Bamba, who I've recently been a big fan of, going to Orlando who looks like a young Manute bull, but like with actual range and man, like his length is something else. He is, I don't think anyone can make a shot on Orlando with all the length that they have there now. Um, that, that'll be really interesting for them going forward. I didn't think he was going to go there. I thought the Knicks were going to eventually get him. Didn't happen. Uh, number seven was Wendell Carter Jr. Went from the other Duke Blue Devil. He went to Chicago Bulls. Don't really know a whole lot about that there, but it seems like Bulls fans are really excited about him. Number eight, though, Cavaliers. What were they going to do? Were they going to trade the pick? Were they going to keep the pick? You know, Michael Porter Jr. was there. Colin Sexton, the point guard from Alabama. You had Mikhail Bridges from Villanova. Uh, There's a couple Kentucky Wildcats staring you in the eyes. They ended up taking Colin Sexton. Uh, it didn't. I don't think any veterans, any NBA players, got traded during the draft, outside of draft picks and players just picked. So, unless I'm missing something right now, while the second round is beginning, uh, it doesn't. It looks as though the Cavs are like, listen, we like Sexton, 
LeBron wants the ball out of his hands. We're going to give it to this driving point guard. He's not exactly a great shooter. He's not exactly the best defender. I'm hearing a lot of negatives about this guy, except that he is a menace in the open court. And if you're building a point guard, you start with a guy like this who is toughness. Uh, he is like a floor runner, a gunner. Looked really awesome in college. I didn't watch a whole lot of him, but I did see the buzzer beater in the SEC tournament. And man, does he get in the faces of other players. Who knows? For the Cavs, <clears throat> sorry, for the Cavs, maybe this is the type of guy that Charlotte has their eyes on. And you say, listen, Charlotte, here's Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton. Give us Kemba Walker. Is that enough? It should be, right? Charlotte's probably going to lose Kemba Walker next year. This way they get a young point guard to be his replacement to pair with um, the shooting guard that they got from Kentucky, uh, Malik Monk. I mean, if I'm Charlotte, that's what I want to do. I don't want to lose Kemba Walker for nothing. And this, you get a franchise point guard. And the Cavaliers, you're probably thinking, we got to do this because Kemba Walker is the type of player LeBron would want to play with. He's been an East All-Star a bunch of times with LeBron. You know, he's that type of guy that is dependable, that is hit the big shot. He dribbles. He is a, he's got a great handle. He's a great passer. He's, he's a good three-point shooter. He's basically everything LeBron wants in his point guard right now. He is a light Kyrie or a super George Hill, whatever you want to look at it. I know I picked the two players connected to the Cavs point guard position, but it is true. He does so much more than what George Hill does even though they're the same similar style player. And while he's not as flashy as Kyrie and doesn't go for the same numbers that Kyrie does, his dribble's not as insane as Kyrie's, but he does have a pretty good dribble. He's got a great step back. He's a good finisher, and he's a big-time three-point shooter, clutch shooter. All those things are Kyrie Irving. That's what LeBron wants. And you know what? Kemba, he's probably ready to play for a winner. He probably doesn't want to play for a shitty Charlotte Hornets anymore. He wants to go to Cleveland, play with Kevin Love, play with LeBron James, and be the favorites of the Eastern Conference and battle for a 2019 NBA Finals championship. He's going to be driven. He's going to be determined. If you make a move like that, all of a sudden you're saying, listen, we've got our big three. LeBron, can you convince? Because this is the power of the NBA right here. LeBron, convince Paul George to opt in and demand for a trade to Cleveland. Say, listen, Paul, don't run it back with Oklahoma City. They're not going anywhere. You know what that team is. It's Russell Westbrook driving all the time. I love Russell Westbrook too, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the type of deal to get it done if, they want, if he wants to win a championship. Say, listen, Paul, come to Cleveland. Let's run it back one year, okay? And if we don't like it, you leave. You leave after this season. But if you're Oklahoma City... And Paul George says, listen, I'm going to leave and sign elsewhere or trade me to, I'll opt in, trade me to Cleveland and you get maybe a future draft pick and a young whatever or an expiring contract here or a Kyle Korver to help shooting. This is more possible than you think because of what I just said before about the NBA being about money and the Thunder don't want to lose Paul George for nothing because they are one of those contending teams. And they need players surrounding Russell Westbrook. So you have Carmelo. He's stuck there. Steven Adams getting paid a lot of money. 
Russell Westbrook's getting paid a ton of money. You're already paying a lot of money, so you might as well be all in on winning. If Paul George has decided he's going to leave, you don't want to leave, lose him for nothing. You want some actual players around him. That's possible. It is possible to get Paul George. All right. I know it sounds crazy to trade Kyle Korver and Larry Nance for him, but that that is probably a deal that gets it done because that's two bench players that they're like, you know what, it's better than losing him for nothing. And we get him out of the conference, and he doesn't go to the Lakers. He doesn't go to the Warriors, who always find a way to create room for these guys. He goes to Cleveland, where, you know what, he's going to be a free agent in a year anyway. So, why not trade into Cleveland, let them win the East again? It can happen. But LeBron's got to be on board. I don't know if he's on board. I really don't know that. It's tough, because you want to say, go all in with them, but... LeBron has never really been the type to let everybody know his intentions, but it can happen. And then you can get Paul George and Kemba Walker to be aside LeBron James and Kevin Love. And if that's your four, you are so the best starting five in the East. I don't care who the center is. Let's say they trade Tristan Thompson after start Hante Zizic. That's the best five in the East, and it's going to compete right up against the Golden State Warriors for rematch number five. Hey, they blew a 3-1 lead before. Who knows? Maybe they blow another 3-1 lead. The Cavs do this and win three straight championships. That'd be pretty cool. That's not too bad. Yeah. All right, I'll buy that. I'll do that one. So, that's my pitch. You know, if you're the Cavs, don't half-ass it. Go all in or go all out. And I think Colin Sexton is a good choice if they want to do either because... They can make a trade for a veteran point guard using Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton and a, and a cheaper contract for Damian Lillard. I don't think that's possible. I think they want to keep Lillard. But Colin Sexton for Kemba Walker? Yeah, I think, I think that's possible. So it's something to keep your eyes on over the next two weeks as we go forward. Now, finishing up the lotto, the New York Knicks were on the clock. Man, I just wanted the Knicks to make a splash. There were a lot of players they could have went with here. I thought they were going to be able to go up and get Mo Bamba, make a deal with Memphis and get that number four pick. Maybe Jaron Jackson. You know, maybe Luka Doncic, but he was taken third. I didn't really know what was going to happen there, but uh, I thought, you know what, the Knicks, you have a chance to make a splash. Build a young trio around Porzingis. It doesn't even have to include Frank Nilekina. It could be someone else because Nilekina wasn't really the fans' choice. He wasn't really this regime's choice. He was Phil Jackson's choice, and Phil Jackson's gone. And everyone else wanted Dennis Smith, and honestly, a Dennis Smith, Porzingis, and whoever at number nine would be a better young trio than what they've got now. So what they do? They didn't take the injured Michael Porter. They didn't take uh, Colin Sexton or Trey Young. Those guys were gone. They didn't take any of the bigs because they were gone too. So they went Kevin Knox, forward Kentucky. Now, a lot of people hated this pick because they wanted Michael Porter, even though Porter fell all the way to 14 to Denver. But I don't mind it. I uh, It's not the sexiest pick, but Knicks fans have proven to not be always the best judges. I mean, they didn't like Ronaldo Balkman, and they were right there, but they didn't like Christophs Porzingis, and they were wrong there. Give Knox a chance. He's big. He has scoring capabilities. 
You put him and Porzingis side by side, and they have a really interesting duo at forward. I wanted them to go Mikael Bridges. Uh, I was not shy about that. I think Bridges is going to be a stud. He was taken by Philly. I'll get to that in a minute. But I thought Kevin Knox, yeah, they could have done worse. It was funny seeing all the Knicks fans be really upset at, at uh, the Barclays Center. We shall see going forward. I think uh, it's really weird what they've got at point guard. You know, they have Frank Nilekina. Is he a point guard? Is he like a mix of a one and a two? That's never a good thing. Uh, what do you really have there? Well, they also have Emmanuel Moutier, who has failed in Denver as a point guard. They have Trey Burke, who he was the original not a point guard, but too small to be a shooting guard, fell out of the NBA, and then came back to the Knicks last season and played his tail off, putting up a couple 20-point games, and damn, now he looks like a solid bench scorer. Who knew? And they still have Carney Lee, they still have Tim Hardaway Jr., and they still have Joe Kim Noah. So a really weird roster the Knicks have. They still own all of their future picks, so if they still suck this year, they will have another high pick. And uh, if Kyrie Irving really wants to come here, it seems like they might be able to clear the money for one max contract and also sign Kristaps Porzingis next year to his big extension. So who knows? Maybe the Knicks are closer than we all think. Or maybe they'll nix it. Or knox it. Kevin Knox, huh? Get it? Ah, uh, so number 10, Mikael Bridges went right after. And last year, it was Dennis Smith Jr. that went right after Frank Nilekina. And this year, it's Mikael Bridges going to Philadelphia. Now, homegrown kid, won two championships with Villanova. His mom works for the Sixers. ESPN was working this thing so hard all night. You thought, okay, this guy, he's going to be like the town favorite forever. Going to be like Mr. Philadelphia when it's all said and done. Everyone's going to love him. Or if you want to make a trade for LeBron James, LeBron says, hey, I'm leaving. Philly, make a trade for me so we can afford two max contracts. You'd say, well, here you go, Cavs. Take on Dario Saric and Mikhail Bridges. And uh, Cavs fans would be like, yeah, okay, for losing LeBron. That's not a bad consolidation prize instead of the second-round picks that they got from Miami the first time around. So as everyone's gushing over Mikhail Bridges and as he's smiling and his mom is smiling and talking and talking even though she works for the Philadelphia Sixers, she's not supposed to be representing them on television right now instead of Brett Brown. But no. Hold up. There's been another trade. <laughs> yikes a -poo. Yeah. Six picks later. Mikael Bridges, while he's doing his little media tour behind the scenes in Barclays, talking with CSN Philadelphia and ESPN Philadelphia and all these things Philadelphia, he finds out he no longer plays in Philadelphia. He was traded to Phoenix to join DeAndre Ayton, who, you know, hey, they're putting together a nice young court. They don't have a point guard, but they've got a lot of wings, and they have a franchise center and a franchise shooting guard. They kind of look like a Kentucky Wildcats team right now. They have so many young players. Mikael Bridges, Dragon Bender, Josh Jackson, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. Not a bad squad, Phil, uh, Phoenix. Philadelphia, though, had to break it nicely to Mikael Bridges. Hey, by the way, tell your mom to pack her bags, too. <laughs> I mean, that's... 
that's something you can't have your mom like speaking on your behalf, speaking on the team's behalf too. That's it's just too weird of a thing to be happening during the NBA draft. But hey, you know what? I'm sorry for the kid that had his little moment in time to be drafted by Philly. Hopefully he enjoyed it. You know, he knew Philadelphia was a chance, but he also had to be prepared to not go to Philadelphia. Hopefully he enjoyed the moment of getting drafted by Philly. Now go prove them wrong in Phoenix. Tell them they made a big mistake because they, they wanted an extra first-round pick in 2021 from Miami. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. All right? Okay. Now rounding out, you had Charlotte took uh, someone named Shy Gilgis Alexander, who reportedly the Cavs were really interested in because Charlotte was interested in him, but he wasn't interested in Cleveland. He actually asked not to work out for them because he doesn't want to get played, played there, picked there. So he got traded to L.A. And then L.A. took Miles Bridges, the other Bridges, and traded him back to Charlotte. And then L.A. took Jerome Robinson. And then Denver finally finished out the lotto with Otto Porter Jr., who fell, like everyone said he would, because of his back injury and his diva-ish, which my dad corrected when I said diva-e, diva-ish attitude. But, hey, at that point, Denver was a fringe playoff team in the stacked West. Taking a chance on a guy like Michael Porter Jr., who was a year ago possibly the number one overall pick in the draft. Yeah, this is a this is a good gamble. Well done. And, I mean, he would have been taken with any of the next picks, like Washington or San Antonio or whatever. Um, a few other picks that went through. Milwaukee took Dante DiVincenzo from Villanova. San Antonio took Lonnie Walker the fourth from Miami. He looks to be a bit of a steal, a classic San Antonio high upside pick. Utah got Grayson Allen, which I thought was really funny. Land of Mormons takes the whitest player in college. I thought that was hilarious. And uh, the Lakers took um, Moritz Wenge from Michigan, who was like the dandy of them all this past season. Thank God Nova beat them. That would have been rough. <laughs> I can't stand Michigan. But yeah, it was a fun draft. No veterans went anywhere. Uh, for the most part, those first six picks kind of came in as expected. You know, there's a the first three kind of went as expected. There's a little bit of trade, a little bit of fun. I thought the Knicks kind of could have did something else. I thought the Cavs had a big opportunity, but it's not over. They can still trade those players. We've seen Andrew Wiggins got drafted by the Cavs and wasn't traded for a couple weeks for Kevin Love. So things can happen. The draft might be ending tonight, but this is far from over. Anyway, it's not the NFL draft, but it is 11 o'clock and it's been over for a while. I mean, the second round's on, but... I mean, this thing was done at 10 because that's when, like, the lotto was over. That's what the NFL needs to kind of get on their horse to do. Also, why Thursday nights? Why Why is it always Thursday nights? I want, I want to go to bed. Whatever. Anyway. All right. And you know what? For the Cavs, with all the fun that this last, you know, it, it's been a fun four years. Four years ago, LeBron James, he... Decided to come back home because he wanted to win a championship. At the time, I thought this is going to be multiple rings. This is going to be something special. And you know what? It wasn't multiple rings, but it was special. We ran into the biggest buzzsaw in NBA history, possibly, this Golden State Warriors team. 
They went 73-9 and and had a 3-1 lead, and the Cavaliers came back to win that series. And then they had their all-star power forward after the game, made his first call, and begged Kevin Kevin Durant Durant to come to Golden State. You know, this is a true story. That's not me making it up. That's not Cavs fans getting heady. That's what happened. And you know what? If it takes Kevin Durant and Kyrie leaving to beat LeBron James, then you know what? Good for you, Golden State. You got it done. Well done. But no. Seriously, it's been a really fun four years. I, uh, I was so pumped when LeBron came back because I wanted a championship. And I'm not a grudgy person at heart. I know I didn't like LeBron when he left. I was so angry. He was my least favorite player in sports. I had never been so against a player before. You know, I, I have had my grudges with players, but the way he embarrassed Cleveland like that, I was so frustrated with him. But forgive and forget, he came back. He made it better. He brought the city a championship. He took them to four straight. We've been the cream of the East. Every year you go into the playoffs and you think, you know what? Here's the next team, this 60-win Hawks team that spreads the ball and has four All-Stars. Not a chance. Whoa! Two All-Stars in Toronto. We the North. Big guys. Great bench. Three-point shooting. Don't turn it over. And two All-Stars. Not even close. Lost 10 straight in the playoffs to the Cavs. Young Boston. Up and rising. Yes, they had two All-Stars down. Still didn't get it done. Would those All-Stars have made a difference? A lot of people have said so, yes. But, um, you know, they got routed in a couple of those games. Do you think maybe the Cavs would have been better? Who knows? Maybe. Maybe they would have geared up better. Maybe they wouldn't have been. But you know what? In the four years, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun trolling People who think, oh, let's just doubt LeBron. That's what we should do. We should just doubt LeBron. It's unbelievable. The guy who's been so good for so long, all anyone wants him to do is fail. And he doesn't. Oh, yeah, he got swept in the finals. Yeah. Oh, Jordan's never been swept in the finals. Jordan's never lost in the finals. LeBron's lost six times in the finals. That's how many times Jordan's won. Yeah. Well, LeBron's also been to the finals nine times. Jordan got swept in the first round twice. LeBron's never lost in the first round at all. And Jordan's been swept there twice. I hate this stupid Jordan argument. Can we just save this for when they're retired, right? When LeBron's retired and doesn't play anymore, let's compare them then, right? I'm done with it now. LeBron's the greatest player of all time. You want to argue Jordan? Let's wait till they're retired. He's the best player in the current NBA. There's not much arguing that because he is sick. All right. Enough basketball until something actually happens. So, for the extra special Jake 50th episode, we're running late, but you know what? This was a double episode. I wanted to double up everything. I gave you a hot Jake out of nowhere. I gave you Cavs. I gave you Draft. I gave you Tribe. I gave you Browns. Now we're jumping into my favorite segments. The one-minute movie reviews. I got two for you this week. I've been to the movies a ton of times already. I've seen Infinity War. I've seen Get Out. I've seen all of all of the blockbuster hits. The last two weeks, I've seen Ocean's 8, and I've seen Hotel Artemis. We'll start with Ocean's 8. First of all, 
It was good. It's a fun movie. If you're going to see it in theaters, you're probably going to enjoy it. Was it a lot like Ocean's Eleven? Yeah. Was it a reboot? Not really. They had player. They had the players from the first Ocean series. They had the Danny Ocean character. They had Elliot Gould. They had uh, I forget the little Asian guy's name, but they had him in it too. They had all the players. They just made it about eight girls. Uh, it was a really cool theory, but it just seemed meh half half done and man they paid up to get the best actresses the acting was good the plot was cool i was just like i'm seeing this it didn't seem new it seemed like new characters or same characters new actors same thing but i enjoyed it because i always enjoy the movies it's a good movie go see it make it a date movie have some fun enjoy it hotel artemis I had really high expectations. You know, I, I thought this is going to be a straight-up shoot-em-up movie. Smoke and aces is what I wanted when I saw this. I want just bad guys coming in from every direction and killing everything in sight. wasn't really a lot of killing. There was a lot of acting. There was a lot of forced moments, you know. Didn't love it. Enjoyed it. Wasn't worth it. Wait for it to come on to DVD, demand, whatever your source may be. But it wasn't for me. I had fun. I always had fun. It was a Tuesday night. No one was around. I wanted some popcorn. I wanted a movie. I didn't like that when I picked my seats, there were only two seats taken in the entire theater. So I obviously avoided that row. And then, of course, when I sit down, someone's sitting right next to my seat. There's no one in the theater yet. There were like 10 people in the movie altogether. What the hell are you doing picking the seat right next to mine, man? Come on. Movie theater etiquette. Guy had none. So that affects my stupid grade for this movie. Now, uh, it's a fun movie, but honestly, I wasn't super into it. There are a lot of other movies I'm very much looking forward to this summer. So when The Meg comes out, I'm going to get a real, real into it. You know, when Ant-Man and the Wasp, I'm going to get into that too. Jurassic Park comes out. Oh, shit, it came out tonight. That's right. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. You got to see that coming up soon. Damn, I forgot about that. We got some movies coming up. Don't you worry. The one-minute movie reviews, we're also going to hit old school. We're going to do Jaws in a couple weeks. Uh, you know, they, they just actually had their 43rd anniversary the other day. Maybe I'll make that my 4th of July one. Uh, I'll have a couple other old school movie reviews. I've only done really new movies or movies I'm seeing for the first time. Why not try rewatchables style? You know, who does that? Was that the the Ringer that does rewatchables, or was that a Lights Camera podcast? And I like Lights Camera podcasts. I think they're great. Uh, Ringer, up and down on them. They can be a little pretentious, little bitches. I, I don't know. I have no idea. I just know the people that love The Ringer, and I'm like, all right, we get it. All right. Last up before I let you all go, because it's been a long one. My top five of the week, we're doing a top ten. That's what you get for being a big fan of the Jake. You get the double episode, and the double five is ten. And this week, I thought, you know what? I have a new video game that I'm super into. I love Fortnite. I have so much fun with it. I'm okay. 
I can be better. I can, I'm sometimes really shitty at it. Whatever. It's a lot of fun. And I'm not a big video game guy. And I thought to myself, I really only had like 10, 11, 12 video games I've ever really been into. Perfect opportunity to make a top five, nay, 10 video games. This is for Jake. On all consoles, number 10, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Computer game. There are a lot of computer games I could have considered, you know. Uh, I could have went old school like Gattaca. Could have went Mortimer, which was about a flying snail that traveled the world and taught you lessons and shit. I actually don't know what it was about. I just remember playing it a lot and getting made fun of because I was the only person that had Mortimer as a game. You know, there's a lot of different computer games out there, but Roller Coaster Tycoon for me was bar none the best. Before I had an N64, before Xbox, and all the other, you know, I didn't ever had a Sega. I had the original Nintendo, but I had two games on it. I had the computer, and Roller Coaster Tycoon was the best. You could build at the beach. You could build at Lucky Lake. All those really cool, like, you can make your own roller coasters. You can make Pizza Huts. All these different restaurants. I loved Roller Coaster Tycoon. I loved being, like, the manager of everything there. And I know that's kind of like lame, but maybe that's why I enjoyed always wanting to be like a scout slash like Brown's GM because I thought, hey, I like this managing thing. I like being in control of everything and setting a perfect game where everything's going to go perfectly. So number 10, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Now it's funny that I say being the general manager of everything and control of everything because number 9 is Grand Theft Auto 3. Or I'll give it a tie to Vice City because Vice City was a lot of fun. Uh, I originally played GTA 3 at my buddy Luke Iannacone's house. My parents wouldn't let me have a game like that. So I had to go to Luke's house and play this game where you got hookers and you killed people and you stole their cars and you ran people over and you ran away from the cops. And it was so much fun and I fucking loved it. I missed GTA 3. That was a lot of fun. I, I didn't like when it got super real and there was like super long maps and stuff because then it took like an hour and a half to load and it just became really complicated i was like i don't need this i just want the original just give me gta 3 not the original the original was grand theft auto the first one but give me gta 3 give me vice city those were fun it was weird it was different and it was i don't i don't know what do you call those first persons or third persons i don't really know but gta 3 number nine number eight I'll give a little shout out to the Madden series. I'll go 06. I think this was the one where Michael Vick was unstoppable. This goes back to the days when my cousin John lived on Morris Avenue. And I'll go over there. I would play with Trent Green's Kansas City Chiefs or the Carolina Panthers that had John, or not Jonathan Stewart, but D'Angelo Williams was the main guy in the backfield for them at the time. And, uh, but my big one, my big team was Kansas City Chiefs who had Tony Gonzalez, who had Priest Holmes, who had Dante Hall, and I would score a billion points with them. And my cousin John would always have to be the Atlanta Falcons, and he would turn off injuries and turn off roughing the passers. It was unbelievable. He was like, no, we have to play like that. I'm like, are you kidding me? So you're basically just cheating? You're running around for an hour with Michael Vick. You're turning off fatigue and injuries so he never gets tired and he never gets hurt. Yet it was still always a pretty good game. He made the game work for him like that. Brings back a lot of fun memories. 
Uh, I've since not really been into Madden all that much. Again, it got a little complicated. There was the one year where you couldn't just uh, play as a franchise. You had to play online as a franchise. I hated that year, and I never really got into it after that. Okay, next up, 10, 9, 8, 7, NBA 2K10. Uh, mainly because I know the Cavs sucked in this one. This was when they started to tank. Or no, this was actually at the very end of it, my bad. But what was really cool was the soundtrack in this one. A lot of songs I liked, including Roots. <laughs> Roots by Flo Rida. What a weird soundtrack. They had Wave and Flag by Kanan, uh, whatever his name was. Man, weird soundtrack, but it just, there's something about like, there's always a weird game or a weird album, weird movie that always makes you think of something. And this always made me think of like my college dorm where me and my buddy Charlie would always play this game. And we got so, we played so many times that the songs would like stick on our head and they became like our favorite songs in college. Very weird. It's just another one that makes me think of fun memories, good times. All right. This takes me to my most recent one. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Sixth favorite game is Fortnite. It honestly should be higher. Fortnite should be higher. But I'm going to give it straight because I've only really known this game since like August. So to be fair, I'm going to give my top five spots to games that I've known for a bit longer. But I can't stop playing this game. I bought a PlayStation just to get this game. I spend money on this game. It's embarrassing, but I do. And it's so much fun. I'm not even that great. I just love it. You know, you drop in Hunger Games style and you have to be the last survivor. Or else, you're just like everyone else. You lose and you play again. I love that. I think it's great. And you have a new chance to win every day. And winning the game gives you the biggest rush. It's so cool. Big fan of Fortnite. Top five. Going N64, GoldenEye, no surprise, the original first-person first shooter game. I had my moments on GoldenEye, it was never that great, but I always thought I was pretty good at it. The graphics were terrible, but it's everyone's favorite first-shooter game. I was never good at Halo. I was never good at Call of Duty. I'm kind of good at Fortnite, but GoldenEye, man, that was the one that started them all. That was something else. Really brings it back. All right, number four. Going Game Boy. The only Game Boy game I had was Pokemon Red. I mean, come on. Middle school. This is the one game that everybody had. They had red. They had blue. I know they made a lot after that, but, man, Pokemon Red, that was the shit. You remember playing that? You, you basically, basically buy a 42-pack of batteries so you'd be good for the year on your Game Boy Color. Which, which, by the way, at the time, it's like, whoa, look at the color. Look at the graphics on this Game Boy. Gotta love the Game Boy. Never did finish off Mewtwo. Never got that Mew. But I did get some of the Electric Bird, the Firebird, Zapdos, I think. I don't know. Brings you back. It's still out there somewhere. Gotta go through my parents' attic to try and find the Game Boy Color. That would be a fun steal. I know you can play it online, too, but there's something about finding it on the Game Boy. All right, number three, Mario Kart 64. This top three is tough. I could put it in any certain order. At times, Mario Kart was my favorite, 
But since finding out that I'm not that good at it, it's been a lot less fun. My buddy Bill, good friend of mine, uh, lived with him for three years. We would play Mario Kart when he took his uh, N64 out of his parents' attic and he brought it over and we said, we got an N64, we just need Mario Kart. That's the only game I wanted to play because I thought I was good at it. Our friend Vin found the video cartridge from the N64. We played it and Bill was so much better he would finish backwards. Now, I was just as good as anybody on Koopa Troopa in the Calamari Desert. I will have you know that. But when he got to choose, he would pick the Wario Speedway and he would finish a minute and a half before me. He would finish going backwards to get that extra point to really rub it in. It made me really sour on Mario Kart 64. Doesn't take away from all the moments you had playing Mario Kart growing up, but it does take it out of the number one spot, down to number three. Number two, probably the game I've played the most in my adult life is the last NCAA football game. I don't know exactly what year it was. I think it was 13. They don't make them anymore. The moment they start making them again, I am dying to bring it back out. I haven't played Xbox outside of that game or Grand Theft Auto in probably 10 years. I guess I don't play Madden anymore. I don't play the NBA game anymore. So maybe not 10 years, but like 6 years. All I play is that NCAA football. I take a bad college football team, build up a new and make Buffalo, not Buffalo, that was Owen's team. I take Miami, Ohio, Tulane, UAB, take Air Force, a bad Cal team. But my favorite was Florida Atlantic Owls. Take one of those teams, put them in a huge conference, load up the conference, make every week basically a one versus a top ten team. Roll and turn this sad team into a perennial National champion. Big fan of the NCAA football video games. Can't wait for them to bring them back. I know, I know, the players want their money. The players want to get credit for being on these video games. NBA, eh, college is going to have to figure that out. The NCAA, it's becoming a big problem. I don't want players getting paid, but you know what? It's it, Something's got to happen. You know what? Let's save that one for next week's episode because players getting paid, that seems like a summer argument. But my number one game, what's left? You know, there are a couple couple honorable mentions. I was a big fan of Wave Racer. It's just one of the first N64 games I had. 1080, that was another one too. But I wasn't good at any of those. I didn't play a lot. I did play a lot of Banjo-Kazooie. But I didn't really get what that was. And I never knew all the buttons. And that's definitely why I didn't make it as far as I thought I could have in that game. How about cruising the world? You know, you go to the arcade, play the racing game. That was always fun. Or uh, any other racing game for that matter, but I was never good at those either. Super Mario 64, Smash Brothers. Both classics. But if we're going, the classic that I love, we're going, we're cheating the system. The Duck Hunter slash Super Mario Brothers original Double pack. Boom. Oh, that was the best. That was the best. I. That was the first video game I've ever had. We had the rifle that you had to like cock it back and shoot at the screen. Never knew how to really do it, but it makes me think of my old basement that I had. 
My uncles would come over and play the video game. It was as it was the oldest video game I knew. But I remember my dad buying it for me. I just remember really appreciating it because it made me feel so cool. So it's my number one favorite. It gets the nostalgia vote, which a lot of these top 10 did get the nostalgia vote. I was kind of surprised by that. I guess I don't play as many video games as I think I do. Regardless, it's my top 10. I think it's a good top 10, top 10 video games. All right, before I let you go, got a couple things coming up. OBX, that vacation's gonna be a lot of fun. Brand new house, like I said. There's gonna be a lot of babies, there's gonna be a lot of bedrooms, there's gonna be a lot of drinking, there's gonna be a bar going, everyone's 21. This is the big one. 35th anniversary, you got new shirts coming in. All the fun that will be had. Bachelorette, we're now four episodes in. Couple rose ceremonies. Not a lot has happened, you know. Jordan is making enemies with Colton, with David. Uh, there's a little bit of intensity going on with him, with uh, with Garrett and Lincoln off of the sh off of the show. Most importantly, though, this episode was all wrapped up with Jean Blanc shooting himself in the foot and falling down a crater and being sent home. It was wild. Sitting there with my girlfriend Sam, and she had never watched this show before this season, and she got hooked on on episode one. She didn't want to get hooked, but she got hooked. And Sam was watching this, and she goes, "Wait a minute, did she just send him home?" And I'm like, "Oh, you don't know the lingo yet here." When she says, "Can I walk you out?" This means goodbye forever. And wow, was it hilarious! He said, "I'm falling in love with you." She said, "That's a little much." And he saw himself drowning. So he then was like, hey, can I stand here a minute? Hey, can I stand here a minute? Took her back and was like, by the way, that before, that guy, that when he, when he said he was falling in love with you, uh, that was crazy, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Seeing this guy fall apart was hilarious. Backtrack saying, oh, I wasn't falling in love with you. I just was saying that because that's what I thought you would want to hear. And then she's like, oh, so you're a liar. And this guy's like, Kill me. <laughs> it was awful. Oh my god, Jean Blanc. He had such good game going before that, but he couldn't handle the show. He, perfect example of a guy that shot himself in the foot because he just couldn't handle competing with all those guys. He was doing all right. She didn't look like he was going to send him home, uh, but he got wild up because he got one of the last roses the week before. So he thought, I need to make a splash when it's like, hey man, just take a chill. He bought her a perfume and then he was like, oh, are you going to keep the perfume? Like I, I named it after you and she was like, yeah, well it was a gift. And he's like, oh, I'm just saying because it's like a really good gift. It's like, dude, you are looking so bad right now. Wow, was that was that a rough one? Regardless, <laughs> uh, Jean Blanc is now gone if you haven't picked up by uh, what... Can I walk you out means. Anyway, a lot of fun to come. There's 13 left, and most of them seem to be real characters. The longer those characters last in a house together, the smaller the house gets on them, and it is a lot of fun. I expect another Jordan blow-up. Him talking about his brand will be a lot of fun. I'll get really into that. But that's for next week. 
for next week on the Bachelorette update. I think that's it. I got nothing left. I'm all talked out. We're an hour 11 in, and I'm tired. I'm tired. I want to go to bed. It's 11.30 now. I'm ready to roll. Friday morning, you're going to listen to this first thing. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to have a great weekend at the Parker House, at DJ's, wherever you might end up. This Saturday, very special day for me. I'm going into the BNT as my own junior membership, unless something crazy happens until then. So hopefully nothing crazy happens. Uh, so I got a pretty busy weekend. Got Dad's birthday. We just had Father's Day. Now we got Dad's birthday coming up on Monday. Can have a special lunch for that. Can have a special dinner for that. He wants to go see a movie in Asbury Park because he's never been to the movie theater in Asbury Park. So he wants to see a movie that he's never heard of. But I'm sure that'll be fun. Anyway, everyone have a great weekend. Thanks for 50 episodes of The Jake. Hope you like this special double episode 5051 of The Jake. I'm talked out. I'm going to bed. Good night.